Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Keep Us in Good Estate, Celtic Blessings for All the World. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, May the 5th, 2013. For 60 years, the folklorist Alexander Carmichael traversed Scotland's Outer Hebrides Islands, collecting and translating the traditions of its Gaelic Catholic people. If you look at a map of the Hebrides' 130-mile craggy coast, you can imagine the passion and physical stamina that required. His eventual trove contained a little bit of everything. Their ballads, prayers, proverbs, hymns, charms, incantations, runes, poems, tales, and songs. All of which constituted an ethnography, oral history, and preservation of an indigenous culture. Professor Ronald Black of Edinburgh University says, Carmina Gadelica is by any standards a treasure house a marvelous and unrepeatable achievement. There will never be another Carmina Gadelica. Alexander Carmichael's Labor of Love was eventually published in six volumes across 70 years. Its long title was called Carmina Gadelica, Hymns of the Gale, Hymns and Incantations, with illustrative notes on words, rites, and customs, dying and obsolete, orally collected in the highlands and islands of Scotland. Carmichael himself published the first two volumes in 1900. His daughter, Ella, continued the project. Volumes three and four were published by his grandson, James Watson, in 1940 and 41. And then Volume 5 and 6 were published by Angus Matheson in 1954 and 1971. Much of the Carmina Gadelica is a distinctly Christian form of Celtic spirituality. Some of it's a syncretism of the superstitious and pagan. And all of it's a lyrical combination of the simple and yet dignified homely and eloquent, ordinary and yet sacred. If you do a Google search for Carmina Gadelico, you'll find an online version. But even better is Esther DeWall's book, Celtic Vision 2001, which is a collection of excerpts which she has organized into 16 different categories. It includes poetry about birth and death, prayers for morning and evening, healing and protection, invocations to bless the land, the hunting and herding, the farming and fishing. I especially like what she calls invocations and good wishes and short blessings. Here's one of my favorites. The love and affection of heaven be to you. The love and affection of the saints be to you. 
The love and affection of the angels be to you. The love and affection of the sun be to you. The love and affection of the moon be to you. Each day and night of your lives, to keep you from haters, to keep you from harmers, to keep you from oppressors. These simple words are a sacred act. They're both tender and profound. When we bless another person, when we wish them well, we're not just hoping they experience a bit of good luck. Rather, in the words of another Celtic blessing, we're commending them to a Father in Heaven who wants to do excelling good to me. Psalm 67 for this week is a blessing. Originating from an ancient writer of a geopolitically marginal tribe, I'm always amazed at the universal scope of the Hebrew Psalms. The psalmist says that God is not a territorial or a parochial God. He's not forgotten any nation or person. Rather, his blessings extend to all nations. He says he rules the peoples justly and guides the nations of the earth. The blessings of his love and justice extend not only to Israel, but to all the ends of the earth. And so the psalmist pushes us beyond all ethnocentric boundaries to bless every other and beyond every egocentric preoccupation to worship only God. The reading from Revelation for this week does likewise. At first glance, the new heaven and new earth of Revelation 21 seem narrowly Jewish. A perfected Jerusalem descends from heaven to earth, complete with 12 gates representing the 12 Hebrew tribes. But notice, there's no temple in this city. 4,000 years ago, God formed Israel as a special people. Israel was and always will be a singular people, says Elie Wiesel, but they've never been a superior people. God elected one people in order to bless every nation. In Genesis 12, 3, he promised Abraham that in him all the families of the earth will be blessed. The heavenly Jerusalem that descends to earth is an international city. We read, the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Flowing through the city center is a river, and on the banks of the river are the tree of life, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Think about it. Dream it. Work and pray for it. Absolute healing for all the nations. The ancient promise to Abraham has become an empirical reality. Luke's Acts of the Apostles begins in Jerusalem, 
then expands geographically outward. In this week's reading from Acts 16, we feel the movement of this geographic expansion. This one chapter alone mentions 16 different towns, villages, and locales. Luke's final chapter ends with Paul imprisoned in the imperial city of Rome. Under house arrest, his last recorded prayer before martyrdom was a blessing for all nations. Romans 16, verse 26. And so we pray with this week's psalmist. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. And likewise with the Celts in the Carmina Gadelica. O being of life, keep us in good estate, better than we know to ask, better than we know to ask. And for further reflection this week, we've posted another Celtic blessing from Esther DeWall's book, Celtic Vision. I am bending my knee in the eye of the Father who created me, in the eye of the Son who purchased me, in the eye of the Spirit who cleansed me, in friendship and affection. Through thine own anointed one, O God, bestow upon us fullness in our need. Love towards God, the affection of God, the smile of God, the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the fear of God, and the will of God to do on the world of the three as angels and saints do in heaven. Each shade and light, each day and night, each time and kindness, give thou us thy spirit. For books this week, I review a slender new volume by Anne Lamont. The title is called Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essentials of Prayer. New York, Riverhead, 2012, 102 pages. As a sect of Judaism, the early Christians inherited the conviction that God is both infinite and intimate, that he speaks and acts. Moses, Aaron, and Samuel, says the psalmist, called on the Lord, and he answered them. The Gospels describe how Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven. Paul's letters are full of prayers given and received, although he also confessed that, quote, we do not know how we ought to pray. And so, however mysterious and problematic, we pray. Maybe true prayer, as opposed to sanctimony, is like pornography. Even though it's hard to define, you know it when you see it. Anne Lamont has done what feels almost impossible. 
She's written a short book on prayer that avoids pious platitudes and tired clichés. There are a few passing references to the likes of Thomas Merton and C.S. Lewis, and an occasional snippet of poetry from E.E. E. Cummings, Gerard Manley Hopkins, and Raymond Carver. But most all of this book emerges from her own experience as a Christian pilgrim who prays. About her pets, her mother with Alzheimer's, or friends with cancer. The tone, then, is real honesty about the really real. Here, for example, is one of her own written prayers that I especially enjoyed. Hi, God. I am just a mess. It is all hopeless. What else is new? I would be sick of me if I were you, but miraculously, you are not. I know I have, I know I have no control over other people's lives, and I hate this. Yet I believe that if I accept this and surrender, you will meet me wherever I am. Wow, can this be true? If so, how was this afternoon? Say, about two. Thank you in advance for your company and blessings. You have never once let me down. Amen. When I finished Lamont's book, I wanted to read it again. I think it would help me to pray more and to pray better. Anne Lamott, Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essentials of Prayer. <coughs> For movies this week, I review Argo. In 1979, when an Iranian mob stormed the American embassy, six American personnel escaped to the Canadian embassy. Ben Affleck directed and stars in this recreation of how the CIA and the Canadian government concocted a crazy plan to free the six hostages. It's an interesting film in that many viewers will know the history and the result before they see the movie. And in the first few minutes of the movie, you also learn the plot. So there are really no surprises. But the drama captures and keeps your attention, which is why it was nominated for seven Oscars. It's hard not to compare and contrast the past and the present relations with Iran and the United States or to wonder to what extent the film is a wonderful recruiting tool for Islamic extremists. Argo. And finally, for poetry this week, we've posted a poem by Alexander Pope called Ode on Solitude. Alexander Pope lived from 1688 to 1744. Ode on Solitude. How happy he, who free from care the rage of courts and noise of towns, contented breathes his native air in his own grounds. Whose herd with milk, whose fields with bread, whose flocks supply him with attire, 
whose trees in summer yield him shade, and in winter fire. Blessed, who can unconcernedly find hours, days, and years slide swift away, in health of body, peace of mind, quiet by day. Sound sleep by night, study and ease together mixed, sweet recreation, and innocence which most doth please with meditation. Thus let me live unheard, unknown. Thus unlamented let me die. Steal from the world and not a stone. Tell where I lie. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, May the 5th, 2013. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.